0: Are you listening? Damn. Alberta Craft Beer, you heard of that here. Uh. Our word is that clear, we prefer a glass near. Vocal yeah. is best, so the rest barely spoke. Uh. From farm to the brewery, till it's pouring down your throat. Yeah. From Jasper to Lloyd, from Mac to the hat, you were uh. now at Alberta Craft Beer Guidecast. Yeah. Welcome to another episode of the Alberta Craft Beer Guidecast. My name is Andrew, and I'm one of the people behind the Alberta Craft Beer Guide. And our goal is simple. We just want to grow the craft beer community. Uh, We do this by educating the interested and entertaining the entrenched. And our guest today is Ailey, co-founder and operator of Stronghold Brewing in Fort McLeod in southern Alberta. Uh, They started brewing back in December of 2018 and uh, they're cranking out some delicious beers. So uh, thanks for being on the show.
1: Thanks for having me. I'm excited.
0: Yeah, Um, I dive right into it. No chit chat. We get right into it uh first of all for those who don't know and even for those who do know uh what makes stronghold brewing unique
1: well there's a few things um we're a family owned and operated brewery which is unique and and kind of fun to like work with uh, my sibling and my parents and it's the four of us that own and operate the brewery Um, but i think the most unique thing about us is that we're located in a historic building in uh, actually historic downtown fort mcleod so um The beer is good and the building is fantastic. We've managed to shoehorn all these uh, huge tanks and fermenters and whatever, into a really tight, small space. And I think that- um, So the
0: building itself, when was it built?
1: 1907, Um, we bought it um, in 2017, I guess might be wrong there might have been 2018 but um, it was actually vacant for about a decade before we bought it and that guy who we bought it from had been kind of tweaking the building and slowly uh, renovating it and so we're actually only the second business to ever be in the building and the first business uh, ran for about a hundred years and it was also a family business and now we've taken it over so um, yeah it's been around for uh, quite a while the building but it's cool that only two things have ever really operated inside it.
0: Yeah. And it was, uh, was it a family or it was, um, like a mercantile shop, like a marketplace or what Yeah, or you find that other business?
1: The, um, main floor was like a grocery store, mercantile kind of thing. And then upstairs where we now have our apartment, um, was like the clothing store. And next door to us right now is a bakery, and um, I'm not sure what that half was. I think it was all kind of open concept, and it was part of the grocery store and Mercantile. But then the back, where they actually do the baking, my understanding is that was the butcher shop. So it's kind of funny that now that's the bakery.
0: The butcher, the baker, and the brewery. That's what you yeah, need to exactly. in the community. That's proof of it right there. Um, so let's talk about some of your well since we're talking about some of your neighbors like your historic downtown you've got obviously there's fort mcleod like physically mm-hmm. uh, is in fort mcleod which is a big tourist thing um what is it like being on like it's it's like traveling back in time basically when you when you come down specifically your street I, it's probably like the most historic of all of historic downtown right yeah. what is it like having a business on in that kind of environment
1: it's kind of strange. Like, um, we're kind of directly across the street from um the Empress Theater and it was built in the early nineteen hundreds as well and restored and, and things like that. And it gets a lot of attention um because of how cool it is and how um fantastic a job they've done of uh restoring it. But it's funny because if you look out the window and see the Empress, it could be you could be looking at it, you know, in the nineteen twenties or then 1970s or now because it's just been this really like permanent structure in Portal Cloud. I don't actually know when it was built but um, that's kind of how all the buildings look as you look at these old pictures of it and old pictures of Main Street and not a lot has changed. Um, I think in the 70s unfortunately they covered a whole bunch of the sandstone with flagstone or flag Yeah, Flagstone. And thankfully, lots of that's been chipped away. (laughs) So we're getting back to what it had looked like. Um, But it's cool. It brings a big um, uniqueness and a big feel to downtown. Like it kind of feels like you're stepping into the past. Mm -hmm. Um, And as a result of that, like last year was our first year open, and we had two movies um, shoot and use kind of the outside of our building as well as all of Main Street. Um, So it's really nice to have it recognized as how cool that it is.
0: Yeah. What movie, are you allowed to say what movies those were?
1: Yeah, um, the first one was called Let Him Go with Diane Lane and Kevin Costner. And the second one was uh, Ghostbusters 2020. And so it's actually really cool. The trailer for Ghostbusters 2020 um, shows Main Street and they show the scene that they were filming for like two weeks or more. And it shows the Empress and kind of that whole side of of the road. So it was cool. Yeah. What was actually really cool about both of those is that we were open during it. So they let us be open and let us have people in the tap room. But for Ghostbusters, um, we had to get like paper over all of our windows because we were supposed to look like we were under construction. Mm. So what's funny is you see this trailer in the in the movie and there's people drinking inside in the tap room while that was being filmed. Uh, so I think that's pretty neat. That's cool. Um,
0: and then you had, even before you had the space, um, was it Fargo was filmed in your, before you opened? Great
1: point. Yeah. So Fargo was filmed in our building, um, before it was our building. It was the, um, hair salon Dazzle, I think it was called in season two. Um, and so yeah, Fort McLeod main street was, um, what was it called? What town were they in? Duluth maybe? No, that can't be, right? Anyways, yeah, Fargo season two, a lot of it was filmed uh, in our building and in uh, Fort McLeod and Fort McLeod and area too as well. Uh, There was lots done in Inglewood and Calgary and and that kind of thing. Um, But yeah, it's cool that our building was actually part of that set uh, and the inside was part of that set. And when we were under construction after we bought the building, we kept having to pull up old set stuff. So like old set tiles that they had laid down and all the windows that were in were actually like single pane set windows so we had to remove all those to get our new um energy efficient ones in
0: actual, actual windows yeah in- yeah <laughs> yeah it's really cool like it's neat to go to you know when breweries pop up in towns it's neat to explore the town and then explore the brewery but there's so much history there and and, and so much well-preserved history too it's like a bonus before you even get to the brewery itself
1: well and um not that i've seen but from um kind of what we have heard from town. There was a lot of tourism that came into town because of Interstellar and Brokeback Mountain, both of which had a lot of scenes filmed uh, in the area. So it is funny to, um, you know, we are in the Bible Belt down here. And so it's funny cause we'll have people come in like, oh, there's where they filmed Brokeback Mountain. You're like, yeah, <laughs> it is, thanks. Like, that's awesome. It's glad yeah. that people are excited about that. Um, and it's cool to get some, um, I don't know, street cred, I guess, for Fort yeah. McLeod.
0: Absolutely, absolutely. And I guess one other thing, it hasn't come out just yet, but um, for those who don't know yet, um, we filmed one of our episodes of our craft beer documentary series uh, in Fort McLeod at your brewery, of course, uh, which was pretty fantastic. And I know that, um, I don't know if you know this, but we were in the works. Um, We have a marketing plan put together. Obviously, it's on hold based on the current economic situation or uh, health situation, but uh, when we do launch parties, we'll do a launch party in Edmonton, we'll do one in Calgary, and we'll do one in Fort McLeod. Uh, so the whole plan is to do it at Empress and then obviously uh, have beers before and after uh, at your brewery, which would be pretty fantastic.
1: Well, we're that that is awesome. We're very excited about that. Um, our goal, too, is like when Let Him Go and Ghostbusters comes out, I want to get a red carpet from Ardour all the way across the Empress. <laughs> going this
0: way beers this way (laughs)
1: exactly um but no it was really fun to film um that documentary series it was um quite overwhelming like there was a lot going on and um it was kind of I don't know it was I felt like a movie star like we had all these cameras and booms and lights and stuff but it was really fun and so I I'm glad um Well, I hope it turns out, I I hope our episode turns out.
0: Yes, I haven't viewed all of the second season, which is when that one was done, but um, they were, we were even happier with second season than the first season. The first season turned out really well. So uh, I'm excited when it all comes out, um, just based on projects and all these other things. But it's cool that people, you know, if this doesn't convince them enough to go visit your brewery to drink beer, then they can see a visual of it and and they'll definitely go visit (laughs) to drink beer.
1: We actually sent, um, what's the director's name? keep forgetting Wendy Wendy we actually sent her a whole bunch of pictures of the building when we bought it when it and kind of pictures as we were under construction so um I'm excited to see those make it into the documentary as well because you can see Tom brewing but then you can also see like for a long time the brewery didn't have a floor (laughs) and and we had to take out you know lots of the wall in order to make a garage door and stuff like that so I'm hoping that those um images work their way to the documentary and come through
0: absolutely I'll have to I might have the file, I'll have to take a look at it and and peep it for you. So speaking of brewing and speaking of beer, uh, the one thing I realized I didn't prep you on this, so I'm new, this is a newer format, I typically drink a beer on the show, Uh, I didn't have access to your beer, your IPA two cans, (laughs) haven't been here yet, but uh, I did find it's a rainy day today, so I found an 88 brewing Vietnamese coffee stout, so I was going to sip on that, I should have told you. If you wanted a beer, you're more than welcome to have a beer on the show as well. But um, let's talk about some of your beers, because you have a wide selection. Uh, being in a small town, you have some easier drinking beers, uh, yes. but you also have some people that have been converted, I'm sure, already. Uh, let's start off. Best-selling beer. What do you got so far?
1: Best-selling beer is by far our Cream ale. Um We actually have to do a can run tomorrow. It was our first beer that we canned. Uh, we gave it a name called the Weizen and Crown uh, cream Ale. Yeah. We canned about 800 cans um, last Tuesday and we are sold out. Nice. So uh, we're super excited about that. Um, So we got to can some more tomorrow so that we have some ready uh, and available for next week because we only do our off sales um, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. Um, But yeah, the cream ale is just such a easy drinking crushable beer it goes down so well and we're a big agricultural community out here and so lots of people after they've had a big day like farming or on the ranch right now everyone's branding uh, and I think seeding as well is coming up here too so um, after a long day outside people love the ale, and uh, we kind of got like some jokes when we were first starting about you can't have your flagship be a cream mill, and hell yeah we absolutely can it's going great so <laughs> don't know why I'm not
0: Whoever says that doesn't know a good cream ale or, or isn't making a good cream ale. <laughs> yeah. It's a hard beer to make, right? There's, there's You can't really hide flaws in it. Um, I'm pretty sure I had it when I was down there. I remember being very tasty, all the beers that I had. I think you had, you have six or eight beer?
1: We have eight um, always. And I think we've made like 30 different styles because we continually rotate them. Yeah. Um, so we usually have some seasonals that we just keep, we kind of make one batch, I guess. So like 20 kegs for us. Mm-hmm. And then once they're out, we replace it with something different. Unless it goes over crazy well, then we bring it back, maybe. But
0: yeah. your next, your next big thing. I remember having the last time I was there, I remember you had, um, it was, it was like, um, a, a type of cookie brown ale.
1: Oh yeah. The oatmeal cookie brown.
0: Yeah. Oh, <laughs> <Oatmeal cookie laughs> brown. yes. And it was very tasty. And then I believe your neighbor's you gave them spent grain to make cookies, but then there was also beer that was used in them too or just paired with the beer as well?
1: Yeah, um so they the bakery next door, I'm going to put a plug, Homestead Bake Shop. Best awesome. bakery of all time. Okay. It's so good. Um and the girls that run it, Kim and Jelena are um sweeter than sugar. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and they're just they're just really really great. Uh and they're good friends of ours now. And so they have um amazing cookies especially and they have this oatmeal raisin cookie which i know isn't everybody's favorite but this cookie like will convert you you will become an oatmeal raisin cookie yep, I agree. <laughs> so um tom wanted to take a brown and um tom loves like uh putting oats in like lots of his beard kind of give it body mouth feel, that kind of thing so you know you want you knew you wanted to make an oatmeal brown and we were kind of talking about it one day at the end of the bar with one of the girls from next door Jelena. And um, she said, "Well, I can just give you my cookie recipe." And so Tom took the recipe and worked with the girls and kind of extrapolated it into the brew. So then we added uh, a whole bunch of stuff that was in the recipe into the brew, and then we took a bunch of the spent grain from that brew and gave it to the girls, and they milled it and turned those into their oatmeal raisin cookies. Oh uh, so for a while, while kind of supplies last, I guess we had uh, the cookie beer pairing with the oatmeal cookie brown and the oatmeal cookie.
0: Yeah. And the time it was perfect when I was there, I got to have one of those cookies and it was like, oh, it was so good. It's a beautiful pairing. Absolutely beautiful. Um, IPA seemed to be a thing down there too. Obviously you're canning it. That's got to be one of your more popular beer as well.
1: It is. Um, it was funny. We started, I don't know. Um, I can't remember when you were down the first time, but when we opened um, a year and a half ago, I guess, we had what we called our intro IPA and it was a, it was a ESB, um, but we kind of wanted people to want more hops. Do you know yeah. what I mean? Like people would have it and say, oh, this could be, this was good. Like I actually kind of like that. Or, oh, it turns out IPAs aren't, you know, too bitter or too, you know, citrusy or whatever. Yeah. So we've kind it of.
0: stereotyped essentially, right?
1: exactly exactly and especially down here like we're the only craft brewery in town like town's not big but we're the only one um you know and the next closest breweries are uh lethbridge the Pass, now uh and lundbrick so we wanted to take a bit of an educational approach to it which is also why we didn't name our beers um at the get-go because we wanted people to understand what a cremel is what a stout is um that kind of thing yeah. so anyways with our intro ipa um after people kind of got used to that, then we brought out IPA 2, which is still not, you know, crazy hoppy, but it's got a bunch of big citrus hop notes and people really, really liked it. Um, and since then, I think we're onto IPA 5 or 6, I think our white IPA is IPA number 5 or 6 uh, in the series. And people are absolutely crushing those too. So we might have to figure out white IPA can sooner than later. I'm not entirely sure, but um, our, one of our best sellers of all time was actually our Mimosa IPA. Um, Do you remember and it's that back. Beer. I
0: was fortunate to have a growler of that beer too. I think it was on when I was down and shooting with the documentary.
1: Series. I think so. Yeah, I think so. So yeah, it's back, which is nice. Um, and it was special. Like we made it for our friend's wedding. Um, and so it's nice to have it back and it's nice to have beers that have a bit of a story. Um, and it's nice too. like, we get a lot of, um, oh, like beer's not beer if it has fruit in it. So then, okay, we make the summer wheat and everybody's chugging it and you tell people after, yeah, there's peach and orange puree and they're like, oh, fruit beers, I could drink these, you know, <laughs> so it's <Yeah. laughs> kind of been interesting to see how people's taste buds have progressed.
0: Yes, absolutely. Um, and then the, uh, speaking of fruit beers, I know in our latest issue of the Guy, there's my plug, right? <laughs> yeah. Uh, you had a cherry blonde in here. Yeah. I imagine that went quickly.
1: So, the cherry blonde was supposed to be a one off. We were going to make it once, and that was kind of going to be it. Um, there's a big European community down here, especially Dutch. And when we opened, we had a blonde and a cream ale. And the cream ale outsold the blonde, so we continue to make the cream ale. But everyone was so like, pissed off that we didn't have a blonde so now every once in a while we just bring back a blonde and we put something in it just to kind of appease people because we'll drink it if it's called blonde um so the cherry blonde was supposed to be a one-off and um we sold out of it so quickly so tom made it again uh, and at the same time he actually made a belgian pale ale that we added pineapple to which is our pineapple pale ale and Since then, Pineapple Pale Ale uh, has kind of cannibalized Cherry Blonde. So we've got a bit of a competition right now between Pineapple Pale Ale and Cherry Blonde. So whichever one sells out of there will make it again. Um, But, yeah, the Cherry Blonde is nice because, like, it tastes good. But more than anything, like, it looks really good. Like, it's this nice kind of pale pink color. And it's a tart cherry, so it's refreshing. And it's not – it's a great patio beer is, I guess, the point.
0: Yeah. And then we also had notes in here, uh, espresso brown.
1: Yep. So espresso brown was a bit of a funny story. We took the cookie brown, and instead of um, adding all the cookie ingredients, we just added a whole bunch of cold brew coffee extract, I believe. So the espresso brown is caffeinated and delicious. Um, And it's unfortunate because it sold really well in pints, but it's not selling too great in growler fills. Um, so we're not moving through it as quickly as, uh, we were, but I think it's the perfect COVID thing. Like you're at home, you want a beer, but you also want a coffee.
0: gonna wake you up and something to, you know, have a beer. Yeah, the exactly. <laughs> and then the last one that you guys had in the spring issue was stout two, welcome to the zoo. And it over a version, did that one end up coming to be?
1: Yeah. Stout two, welcome to the zoo. That's a funny one. Um, so Tom turned 30 in December And so, um, back, oh my gosh, last August, I guess he brewed stout two, which is this 10% um, nitro imperial stout for himself for release in December. So we had it conditioning and whatever for a few months and it, we took it off tap actually because we can't do growler fills of the nitro beer. Yes. So it's not working for right now, which is too bad. Um, but yeah, it was decadent, like. I got lots of like licorice notes and, um, it was, it was a sipping beer for sure, but it was nice to have something that was a little bit different. Yeah. Um, and we've had nitro stouts here before, uh, but nothing that we've never had an Imperial beer down here before. So it was also nice to see how people reacted to that. And, uh, people like, <laughs> they're so funny, they're like, wait, you can sell this. It's 10%. Like, yeah, we, yeah, <laughs> we sure can. So. <laughs> I
0: don't sell you too many of them but we can sell it to you
1: <laughs> yeah exactly we had to get special glasses for them so that people were getting pints of uh ten percent stout but
0: that's responsible very responsible of you yeah. um so with yeah i guess we can talk about tom a little bit too mm-hmm. um he's obviously he oversees majority of the brewing i imagine
1: all of it yeah like every once in a while i get to like flip a switch or like open a valve but that's pretty much
0: it. <laughs> I remember when we were in there filming, uh, he kind of likes to be alone, essentially, when yeah. he's in the, uh, in the brewery.
1: <laughs> he does. He, um, I joke that he's a bit of a grumpy brewer, but that's not really true. He, he's just very particular. Mm-hmm. Um, and, he, you know, like he's my sibling. Like, I've seen him in kind of every possible facet and i've never seen him so organized or disciplined as when he's in the brewery so like i don't even want to i don't want to disturb him because i know he's got a you know a set program that he's running and it's clearly working so uh, yeah. if he likes to keep to himself in the brewery i'm happy to let him do that i'm happy to keep out of the way more than anything
0: absolutely i've i've you know i've been around a lot of brewers and the ones who are the most particular tend to make really really good beer and uh, it definitely shines in your product uh, that he's like I think even in the interview too he would he would say you know i just check these numbers and they're on point but i'll probably go check it again in five minutes just to be sure and like he's he's always on top of every little detail but that's there's a reason right like your beer your, comes out the way he wants
1: it to be right well and i think it's even more stressful like he um went to Olds and he brewed a village for a while mm-hmm. um and then now he's here and i think it's more stressful here because like the reputation of the beer is on his shoulders right like it's completely his recipe, uh, it's completely his brew and all these things. So he takes that responsib- responsibility very seriously, which is perfect. Um, yeah. I'm very happy for that. Um, but it is interesting to watch, especially somebody that is your sibling, or um, you know, if you open a brewery, say with your best friend, like it's interesting to see how people respond to pressure in different scenarios or situations or whatever. So um, yeah, we're all very happy with him. <laughs>
0: he, yes, yeah, he's absolutely.
1: Cool, I guess. <laughs>
0: Absolutely and then you know just talking about your family and I guess your role too what is your role in the brewery itself? Everything um, about the
1: brewing? <laughs> yeah everything about the brewing. We, we kind of joke that Tom is responsible for the brewery and I'm kind of responsible for the tap room so um, we both bartend when we can. Obviously we can't right now but we both bartend um, and then I kind of manage the tap room, so make sure we have like merch and glassware and that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. Um, And I also do like our social media and like any marketing and stuff that we do there. Um, I design the can labels, so if you like them, let me know. If you don't like them, keep that to yourself. (laughs) 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 really like them. (laughs) Um, So yeah, I kind of do that side of it. And then our parents really help us out with um, like running the business. Like both my parents have run businesses before, and so they kind of know – what to do and and you know what we need to be keeping track of you know in terms of accounting and things like that like Mm -hmm. I went to business school but I got a marketing degree like I know nothing about bookkeeping and stuff so it's been nice to learn that especially from uh, my mom especially because I I I don't know that everyone can say this but like my mom's a really good teacher so I'd much rather learn it from somebody that knows what they're talking about.
0: Absolutely I imagine their plan because I know because right now she's handling the day-to-day but I imagine the plan is that you know, she can teach you all those things that you can handle it or hire someone to do it responsibly. Down yeah. the
1: road. No, exactly. So the goal is eventually, um, eventually Tom and I would like to stop bartending. Um, it's a great way to like be really involved in the business but there's just other things that like I want to be doing. Yeah. So um, eventually once we can, and once COVID's over, we'd like to have people who are always bartending. And then that way I can be doing the books with mom and learning how to kind of take care of those things. Or, mm. you know, Tom and I can go out on sales calls and things like that, try to get our beer more places. Yeah. Um, so I think that's like the next step for us once we can get there.
0: Yeah. Um, we'll touch on the building a little bit more. I know we talked about the building, the facade. Yeah. Um, there's you can't just put anything on your building because of this historic can you um was it certain windows or or what was the term they used it's like um as historically accurate as possible is that kind of
1: yeah that's totally it so there's certain um it's kind of complicated so our street is Provincial Historic Area, it's called. Um, and I think it was the first in the province. I think there's us and then I think Old Strathcona and Edmonton. Oh, wow. so our street is a, a Provincial Historic Area, which um, has certain regulations or specifications or whatever. But then our building in and of itself is his- historically designated as well. So we really had to work with the province on what we were allowed to do, what we weren't allowed to do, uh, as well as with the town uh, for that same reason. Um, so it was actually kind of cool we had this old picture of the building from when it was uh first opened in 1907 and so we worked off of that to match the front to make it as historically accurate as possible because when we bought the building um the front of our building was all just plywood like there was nothing there (laughs) Um, so we really had to start from scratch um and then things like in the Back in the brewery, we have a garage door. When we bought the building, that was um, two windows. And so, sorry, before we bought the building, we said to Heritage and we said to the town, like, we need to remove those windows so that we can have a garage door. And Heritage said, no, that's not historically accurate. You can't do it. And we said, okay, well, then we can't buy the building. Like, we can't not be able to get a pallet in here. Yeah. And they kind of hummed and hawed about it and said, you know what, like, you're putting the building to good use. You can absolutely do it. So it was kind of a bit of give and take there and things like our brewery floor Um, so our brewery is on like the main level and lots of breweries of course are on ground level so we had to reinforce the brewery with a whole bunch of steel i-beams and whatnot in order to make sure it didn't fall through Um, (laughs) it was a nightmare Um, but then the floor itself is of course flowcrete so we had to pull up all this like a 100 year old maple but in order to appease heritage, we had to keep all of the maples. So that's all stored safely downstairs and things like that. So things that, you know, other places don't have to do um, or didn't have to do made it a little bit challenging, but it also makes our building so unique and so special because we had to kind of, um, I guess I'll call it, but um, I mean, the province and the town were so willing to work with us. Yeah. Uh, and aglc i should mention too was so willing to work with us kind of in what we were looking to do and try to do that yeah it was hard but it wasn't um, excruciating or anything right. like people were very happy to work with us to put the building to to good use again
0: absolutely and then i mean you know the basement isn't really functioning right now i know originally i think i was yeah i totally visited the first time i visited it was before you were open it mm-hmm. so would have been the summer of 2018
1: Yes. Yeah. Yes. I think
0: it's the first time I did a big uh, south loop through Lethbridge and Medicine Hat and all that. And you're we about history. The basement itself is, you know, as old well as the building, of course. But it was neat that at the very, I guess, the front of the building, there's cellar doors.
1: Yeah. Those are super creepy. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so I think that was for. Like cellar and like cold storage for root vegetables and like whatever else. Um, but yeah, there's a um, section of our basement that goes underneath the sidewalk. Mm-hmm. Uh, so right now we've just got like a fruit puree down there. Uh, sometime it'd be nice to do like a barrel age program or something. It, not that there's that much space, but it is a cool little built in fridge, I guess, that we have.
0: Yeah, it's neat that it extends beyond the actual building itself like it's under like you said under the sidewalk almost under the street in front of your building
1: well um so the girls next door at the bakery they have it too of course yeah. um and when we bought the building you could just go into the bakery basement like it wasn't um
0: it wasn't split it wasn't separate
1: yeah it wasn't split like yeah. there were doors into each other um so we wanted to like just put in fire doors um <laughs> because we thought it was funny and of course that wasn't allowed but Um, it is funny to think that like if they hadn't um, put sandstone in between our cellar doors, like we'd still be able to kind of go through. So I think it'd be funny if you just have a huge cellar down there full of like baked goods and and barrels. (laughs) Yeah.
0: yeah, yeah. Maybe one day in the future things can be, I know, I think originally in the build-out you were saying like, wouldn't it be neat if it was like a a speakeasy or something tucked away (laughs) in the the front there (laughs) be neat. Um, the other thing, I know you mentioned this, we were on the Instagram live the other day. I was like, oh, we got to do a podcast. People need to hear the stories and the beer and, and the things that are going on at, um, at Stronghold. Um, the Spanish doors.
1: Yeah, those are crazy. Um,
0: <laughs> so at the back, basically at the back of the tap room leading upstairs.
1: Correct. Yeah, so um, when we bought the building, there was absolutely nothing here. Like I said before, we didn't, you know, there wasn't a front to it but everything was ripped down to the studs uh, pretty much. But the only thing that was there were these beautiful, like, I don't know, maybe 10 feet doors um, that were hung. So we kind of thought, okay, we have to build the brewery around those doors. Um, and so they are off of a church in Spain. Um, we think from around the 1500s or so, they're beautiful um.
0: They're hand carved and there's like, isn't it like a brass hand is like the opener essentially?
1: <laughs> yeah. And it's got like, a, it's holding like a little apple and there's like a, it's a big knocker and they're solid brass. They're super heavy. Um, and so basically somebody had bought them and was bringing them into Canada, but they didn't pay the excise on them. So the government seized them. And then a local antiquer here, saw that they were up for auction and bought them. And then they ended up in our building. So now we have them. Uh, and it's funny because lots of people will say, oh, like what's upstairs? And I'll go to open the door and we'll say, no, 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 like that goes to our apartment. You can't, you can't go up there. <laughs> That's just for us. Yeah. Um, but but yeah is-
0: to have that piece of history inside of already a historic building. Now you're going back, you know, even three, 400 more years than that, right?
1: <laughs> exactly. And like, they're supposed to be, um, supposed to be lucky. So I don't know. Hopefully they are.
0: Yeah. I mean, hey, everything's going pretty well so far. So uh, we'll, we'll go with that. <laughs> And then the last thing I was going to ask about is your physical bar itself, like the yeah. bar and the, and, the, and behind the bar.
1: So the bar, um, the guy who we bought the building from when he was, um, restoring the building, he had thought it'd be great to make it a bar. And he wanted to call it knockers after the door, which I'm glad that didn't happen, but
0: it like a very different kind of uh, bar.
1: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, he had had his eye on this bar, uh, in Montana somewhere. He was an antiquer as well. And um, when we told him, we bought the building and then he stayed on to help with the restoration. That's kind of what he does. And he does an incredible job. Um, and so when we told him, yeah, it's going to be a brewery, he brought up this bar and he said, oh, this would look perfect here. And when he put it up, it's like 18 feet long, I think. And he needed to restore it a little bit. And it looked like shit. And I thought, there's no way, like, this looks so bad. It's so big. Like, I don't understand it at all um And the rest of my family said no. Like yeah, I think it'll be okay. So he put it in place and he restored it, and it looks so good. I was—I will admit—I was totally wrong about the bar. Um, one of my favorite parts about it is that it had this beautiful mirror that was like eight feet wide, I think. And uh, Tom and this guy Peter were getting it out of uh, the guy's van when he brought it up, and they accidentally snapped it. <laughs> it yeah. just completely crumbled so we we centered it and now we have little blackboards on the side of the bar so it actually worked well because i don't know how we would do our menu otherwise but uh it is kind of crazy that like essentially it's recycled and like most of our furniture is made of recycled wood and all these things but to have all these little stories behind the bar and uh, behind like the furniture and stuff's pretty cool absolutely um it's too I easy like- to go
0: to like ikea in you know a big city and you know yeah. get that everyone else has like there's no fun in that like you know do some digging do some research and find something unique find something cool right
1: well totally and especially here like um formal is very proud of being a historic area and um there's 10 antique shops in town maybe so you yep. can always find stuff yeah um i think my favorite part of the bar when we were um installing the draft line when we were installing the trunk um we saw that there's this little bottle opener that's like stapled to the back of the front bar and it just says like schmidt brewing co drink city club and we thought that was hilarious and i thought it was like a club called like drink city and i looked it up and turns out it was their most popular beer was called city club so it was like drink City Club. Anyways, the uh, yeah. <laughs> Schmidt Brewing Company is no longer. Uh so we took it over because we thought it was funny. So now we use the hashtag Drink City Club as like the club as a bit of a joke. Um, but it is cool that like I have no idea, you know, what happened to that bar. I really don't know where it came from or what it did, but the fact that, you know, Schmidt Brewing Co at some point had some relevance to the the bar is kind of fascinating.
0: Yeah. Yeah, it's it's always cool to see those stories um question two for you
1: okay
0: (laughs) because i asked three questions question the first one's always the biggest question two is how did you get into beer like when did you go from the point of drinking whatever to actually getting into drinking local beer and getting into good beer
1: um that's a question when so tom and i are five grades apart so he's always been um ahead of me kind of in everything, and and quite a big gap ahead of me, I I should say. So when I was in university, uh, when I was going to my third year university, he was starting at Olds. And so he'd already got his um, Bachelor of Science in Archaeology, and he'd already been working in the field, and he'd already decided he wanted a change, and he wanted to go to here. Um so when I was in university, I started drinking craft beer, which was a huge mistake because it cost so much money and I was going to school in Ontario. So like now you have HST and all this stuff. And okay. I hate it. Um but yeah, I really started um drinking craft beer then because Tom got into it and because he could kind of teach me stuff about it and explain stuff and mm-hmm. and um I turned out I liked it. Yeah, and, what
0: were some of the early beers? Do you remember a few that were like, oh, man, this is really good, or, or is there a few styles that you first were uh, gravitating towards?
1: Um, I, a lot of stouts in the beginning because Tom really likes stouts, and so um, I thought, oh, I'll be cool like my big brother and drink a lot of stouts. Yeah, of course. <laughs> um, there's nothing that I can really pinpoint, but I know I drank a lot of Bose, um in Ontario. Uh, they got some good stuff. Um,
0: is it lug tread is like their, their lager or their.
1: I think so. Yeah. Um, maybe a red can. And then there's one called like, like mad Tom or crazy Tom, which I thought was funny. So I had some of that too. Is that
0: um, Muskoka?
1: Maybe. Yeah, I, I, I'm bad. not, I'm not up to date with my, with my.
0: It's been a while. I haven't had yeah. a lot of Ontario beer in the last couple of years, but I've been around a few of them. <laughs>
1: Well, and it was funny because when Tom was in beer school and I was getting my marketing degree, kind of even then we thought like this might work, like this is pretty complimentary. So it was kind of in the back of my mind, at least, I won't speak for him, but it was in the back of my mind for quite a few years. Like That was 2014 or 15 that that kind of all started. Um, And then after that, like when Tom was in beer school, it seemed uh, rude to drink anything other than craft beer. So.
0: Yeah, of course. Like you, once you learn about something, someone you care about and you learn about what they're into, you tend to explore that too, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And then at what point it would just say segues perfectly. So you were thinking, you know, he's going to be a brewer. You can do marketing for whatever brewery he works for, or the, or is it figured out like you guys will start a business. Cause your parents started businesses.
1: Um. Yeah. The latter for sure. Like um, I think it's easier to think of, you know, if we start something, then I can do what I like and what I hope I'm good at. And you can do what you like and what you're good at. Yeah. It's harder to think like, okay, like Tom's working at Village as a brewer. Like maybe I'll apply, you know, maybe I can do some marketing for Village or whatever the yeah. example. Yeah. So it was always easier to think like this is something that we can do um, together and with our, and with our folks. Um, before we started the brewery, after I graduated university, I was actually working at a tech startup. Now my job interview for this tech startup, uh, they said, okay, what do you want to be doing in five years? And I said, I want to have a brewery. And they said, what? <laughs> and then they hired me anyways. <laughs> and, um, it, it was, it was amazing. If anyone's listening and they're not sure what they want to do or whatever, I would highly recommend working for like a small tech company. If that's something that you're interested in these guys, they, um, like bought me all the tools and taught me all the tools in order to, do what we're doing today because I was honest with what I wanted so they helped me like meet those goals um and it was I was so lucky and so fortunate to work for those guys so um yeah it was a long time coming and everyone that knew us kind of knew what was coming which was also nice
0: yeah so what at what point did it become real as in like he's already graduated or you're like you start looking for spaces or you found the space, or what was what was that kind of process of actually taking ideas to, hey, let's start a brewery.
1: <laughs> That's a good question. I, um, for a lot of it at the beginning, I was just kind of along for the ride. Like, I just turned twenty six in January, so um, I don't know. I think I was like twenty four or 23 or 24, when we started kind of seriously talking about it and seriously looking for spaces. And, you know, at that age, not even argue at this age, like my input doesn't count for a lot. Like, I don't know anything about running a business and I didn't know what we needed in terms of a brewery or how much space we needed or anything like that. So at the beginning, it was really my parents and Tom that looked at the spaces and decided, you know, what would work or what wouldn't work and things like that. And I just kind of tagged along until I could be of some value. Sure. Um, but yeah, for me, it really became real um, when my parents um, said, okay, I think we found a spot and it's in Fort McLeod, which is halfway between Calgary and Waterton. And Waterton's a really special place for our family. And um, they said, okay, I think you need to come see it. And I kind of felt like if I was getting called in, then maybe it was something we were going to work on because yeah. they had seen a lot of spaces without me and decided without me that they weren't right. And yeah. All the power to them i knew if they i, I knew my opinion wasn't going to count for for much there because it was just so out of my element But
0: yeah and then why was it just the, the space worked out perfectly that's why Fort McLeod was the place to be
1: yeah um we had looked at a few places I, I didn't but my family had looked at a few places sure. um but there was nothing really in calgary that we really were passionate about in terms of space wise like um, we really wanted to own the space as opposed to lease the space, which, uh, of course in Calgary is a lot more challenging. I feel like if you have, um, a perfect space in Calgary, it's either going to cost you millions, uh, or you'll have to lease it. Like you don't really have kind of the choice there. Um, and then we kind of started talking about Calgary, um, is super competitive. Lots of great beer coming out of there, but what we wanted was kind of more of the community hub and less of bit of like a manufacturer um kind of thing and to be a community hub i think you really have to be particular in where you're located in calgary so we just kind of started heading towards waterton going down you know Nant and claire's home fort McLeod, that kind of thing Mm -hmm. and yeah Fort McLeod between this street and the building and uh and everything it just seemed like it was the right area because there's not tons around um and fort McLeod doesn't really have like a, doesn't have a community hub, really. Like there's a couple of bars in town, but. Um,
0: they're interesting.
1: Yeah. They're, different. <laughs> we <went at> <laughs> they're So we kind of thought, okay, like the town, I would argue needs a space and we think we could do it. So, um, so that's why we ended up here.
0: And then just to touch on that, I know, I think you mentioned it in our, in our doc or in the conversations around that, you said that if like families will get together in the space and like if people are visiting in town, they'll just like gather on the big table and, and have beers.
1: Yeah. It's crazy. crazy. Like, We've had um, like family reunions here. Uh, We've had tons of wedding pictures and like engagement photos and stuff taken here, Uh, big birthday parties and stuff. Um, And because our area is so rural, um, I think it's nice because we can kind of be this central hub because lots of people, you know, if they're in Fort McLeod, they have family in Claire's home or high river or Nanton or whatever, and they all get to come to this one central space. So that feels really nice. Um, and it's, it's really cool to watch that happen. Um, and it's nice to feel like you get to be part of somebody's special day. Of course. Um, it is funny though, when you see like four generations of whatever Henderson's at a table, like, Oh my God, that's a lot of people. But Yeah.
0: Very cool. All right. Well, time flies. We're running out of time. So one last question for you. Okay. What would you like to see happen in Alberta beer?
1: Oh my gosh. Um, I would like to see, hmm, I don't know. I'll, what I love about Alberta beer is that there's not this, um, There's not this like specific need to follow like what is it the 15-16 purity rule like you get you can do whatever you want you can be whatever you want you can brew whatever you want so i would like to see alberta beer get even more innovative i would love to see calgary be like portland 2.0 i I would love to see that blow up Mm -hmm. um but I think you know, with the, the way that the rules are changing, with the AGLC and whatnot, I would love to see more collaboration and more of that unity. I think it's easy once there's so many breweries to get a little bit more competitive. And I'm not saying that it's like that now. I'm just saying that it'd be nice for, especially Southern Alberta, like we there's only six ish. <laughs> like that can't be right. But in our general area, there's only a few oh,
0: near near you. Yes, yeah, yeah. There's definitely lots of lots of room for near you guys, of course.
1: Yeah, exactly. So it, it'd be nice to have more um, collaboration uh in our area and lots of that lands on our shoulders and stuff too but i'd like to see um even more innovation and collaboration in alberta beer
0: yeah yeah um me too have you guys done a collab yet
1: we haven't um
0: who's who's on your just throwing this at you yeah. <laughs> do you have any breweries in mind that you'd think hey they'd be really cool like we sync with them we're friends with them or anything like that
1: there are a few. Um, the top of my list, though, is actually the Pass Brew Co in Blairmore. They yeah. just opened. And, yes. um
0: They were the first brewery to open during the pandemic.
1: Yeah, exactly. And the
0: second was um, Sturgeon up in mournville just north of.
1: Um, oh, they had an amazing opening too. I heard.
0: Yeah, there was. I drove up there to uh, to go support them, of course. And there was a big lineup. Not a huge lineup, but it was spaced out because of you know social right. distancing. <laughs> And we got in line and we realized we didn't, we didn't have enough time to wait in line. It was like a two and a half hour line and we had to be somewhere in two hours. So we just couldn't wait that day. Yes. But, um, and then I, I've heard like, you know, the pass is having a great response. Anyway. The pass
1: is having an absolutely great response. Um, we have become friends with the owners cause they um, ha- have come by here quite a bit. And while we were under construction before we were opening, they uh came here and they like measured the boiler and measured the brewery and how much space we need whatever so it's felt like we've been able to collaborate with them a little bit already just because you know we're close and we can help out and and whatever so i would love to do a beer uh with them um but yeah again my job is switching switches and opening valves so (laughs) i don't know
0: Make, make make the uh make the introduction happen. like hey guys what if we did a collaboration beer
1: yeah exactly
0: right CC, cc your brother cc the pass and you know i don't know
1: I'll, I'll just book it and tom will come down to the brewery one day and kieran i'll be there ready to brew
0: there you go yeah there you go awesome cool well thanks for tuning in i appreciate it um thanks for being on the show uh we can find for those listening you can or watching i guess now it's video too um you can find stronghold brewing on facebook and instagram at stronghold brewing and you can find the beer guide on twitter instagram at AB Beer guide we're also on tiktok at beer guide i haven't done the dances yet on tiktok but we've put a few are guys.
1: you young enough to be on tiktok i'm too old to be on tiktok
0: that's what i thought but there's a huge uh, millennial population on okay. tiktok there are there's actually a huge amount of canadians on tiktok oh really and, um it's not just dancing and fun stuff. There's people teaching things and learning things. I've learned about marketing and uh, business and investing and a bunch of other things through people on TikTok too. So it's fun and it's, I don't know, you got to get into it and you'll learn some shit, but you'll see some ridiculous skits from, uh, actually I've got a good quarantine video. If you can find that, that one's pretty fun. Okay. I'll,
1: I'm writing it down. I'll
0: look it up. <laughs> At beer guy. Anyway, thanks for tuning in, Ailey. Uh, thanks for everyone else and uh, cheers, I guess. We'll see you later.
1: Thanks. <laughs> this has been a production of Screaming and Studios.